Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by the Turrell Fund, supporting Reimagine Child Care. Kane University, where cougars climb higher. New Brunswick Development Corporation. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Operating Engineers, Local 825. IBEW Local 102, lighting the path, leading the way. NJM Insurance Group, serving New Jersey's drivers, homeowners, and business owners for more than 100 years. PSENG, committed to providing safe, reliable energy, now and in the future. And by Newark Board of Education. Promotional support provided by Insider NJ. And by the New Jersey Business and Industry Association. Hi, everyone. Steve Adubato. We are honored to kick off the program. Uh, joining us for the first time is State Assemblyman Shanique Spate, a Democrat representing what district, Assemblywoman? 29th District. Which is in and around my uh, hometown. Well, now it's Montclair, but where I was born and raised in Newark, correct? Yes, Newark and Belleville. Newark and Belleville. Assemblywoman, one of the areas that you have focused on, on the many you have focused on, is what's being called period poverty. Yeah. does not get a lot of attention. I've said this before on the air. Some folks are uncomfortable speaking about it. I've learned over time that it's incredibly important to talk about it. What are we talking about with period poverty and what needs to be done to help the young women who are struggling in ways that many others don't, largely because of zip code, economics, et cetera? Thank you so much, Steve. Um, one of the things I often start off saying is half of the population ministry um, and oftentimes we ignore a woman's ministration. I was brought up, you know, in a generation where when you get your period, you hide your period. And oftentimes the affordability of products when it comes to young girls or grown women, um, it's not always feasible for women to buy these products. So oftentimes people that are struggling with when it comes to period poverty is due to a uh, lack of income. And, you know, depending on your household size, you can have three to four girls in your, and as a mother ministering on yourself, and you're not able to afford these products. Mm. You know, your, your appreciation for this isn't just from a public policy and governmental perspective. Correct. Your personal experience matters a great deal here. Uh, you grew up with a single mom. Yes. You've dealt with homelessness and poverty. Yes. Um, when you were 18, you lost your mom. Yes. And other experiences along the way. And you have four children, all delivered via C-section. Yes. That and other incredibly difficult challenges and, and some struggles that you have had personally. What impact have those and other experiences had on your approach as a state representative? Well, one of the things I have to say, and I, I, I believe my... Upgrown, up, upbringing has definitely molded me into creating legislation such as this. Um, 
And when you go back into my background, just as, as you were saying, I once working on this legislation and understanding what my mother had to go through raising four children, you know, trying to feed, uh, trying to feed four kids, going through shelters, going through the YMCA, not being able to afford food. So I know she wasn't able to afford products. And just being in this space, it gives me such humility and grace to be able to create legislation like this that I know will impact uh, women uh, my age, younger women, my daughter, my nieces, my nephews, my family, not my nephews, my nieces, family, and whomever. And understanding that, you know, my, my mother died when I was 18 years old. She had cervical cancer and just want to make sure we focus on women's health, period. Oftentimes we focus just on, you know, uh, the maternal health of it. But if we focus on a menstrual aspect, we understand that it's a connection between both. And by the way, I want to make it clear that you are working with First Lady Tammy Murphy and on her initiative having to do with um, the fact that maternal uh, health, maternal mortality, that Black women are seven times more likely to die in childbirth than white women. We've had the First Lady on talking about that initiative. Go back and check it out. Um, but I want to go back to something. So when we're talking about period poverty, as a former state legislator, I, I, I remember the people would often make speeches about an issue, but the legislation would not substantively address the issue. That is not the case with you. Your legislation is precise and specific about period poverty. Please talk to us. What exactly so, does it do? So one of the pieces of legislation, uh, what it would do is individuals that are on SNAP or WIC, um, New Jersey yeah, Family. The, I'm sorry for interrupting the acronyms. SNAP. Food stamps. Yes. WIC, Women, Infant, and Children. These are both governmental programs, correct? Yes, correct. Please, I'm sorry. Um, what the DOH, the Department of Human Services, would do is apply for a waiver for individuals that are receiving those benefits. They apply for that waiver so that the, the uh, menstrual products will be covered under the under the waiver. And if it's not approved, once they apply through the federal, gov uh, federal government, um, I believe, I believe the bill is stating that then they would actually appropriate $2 million towards this effort. Uh, to be clear, one in five menstruating teens struggle to pay for period products. <clears throat> so with a 12-year-old daughter, and I, I'm obviously never going to talk about the, the specifics of this, the idea that for our daughter and for other, her friends, and, and we're blessed and fortunate enough to be in a situation where I, I haven't even, I never even thought about, well, how would you pay for it? We're talking one in five. Right. One in five young women, say from 12 to whatever age. But help us understand when you don't have access to, to those, to the products you need, um, period products, what can happen to that young woman? What can happen to one of the things that happened, depending on if that young woman is in school, she possibly will miss school. Um, because she doesn't have access to products and can't afford the products. And oftentimes I've heard so many women and as a woman myself, depending on when your period comes on, because sometimes it catches you off guard, some women have to re actually use a tissue. So in that spirit, because young women spend so much time in school, does your legislation talk about putting period products um, menstrual products specifically in bathrooms, in schools? 
Yes, we uh, we we do have a bill. It, it was actually two bills that was introduced. Um, Senator Ruiz actually yes. has a bill, and it passed on the Senate side, and it talks about um, providing products in school. And the thing we talked about over the last couple of weeks is just the logistics of how it all work out and the cost effective effectiveness of it. So that's one, that's a very important bill to so many uh, young women that um, it would impact, especially in a community like mine. And check out our interview with Senator Teresa Ruiz, the Senate Majority Leader. Uh, go on our website. It'll be up right now. And we talked about that issue as well. Assemblyman, I cannot thank you enough. I know this is the first time you've joined us. I promise you it will not be the last. Thank you, Assemblyman. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate My it. My pleasure. Stay with us. We'll be right back. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. Valley's all about making life easier for clients, and that's why we're all about smiles, too. So every day, we make it possible for home buyers to become homeowners, for folks chasing their dreams to become entrepreneurs, for parents to plan today for their children's tomorrow, and for communities to get better every day. You see, when we know we've put a smile on a customer's face, well, that puts one on ours, too. Here at Kane University, everyone gets their chance to climb higher. Michael came to Kane and found his passion for healthcare, and now he's a doctor. After Trisha graduated, her graphic design work was featured in the New York Times. Samantha is studying athletic training and finding her path through an internship with the New York Giants. Real students, real stories, real success. Cougars climb higher. Kane University. We are pleased to be joined by State Assemblywoman Ora Dunn, who is a Republican. In fact, she's a Republican Assistant Minority Whip. Translation, she's in a leadership position in the State House, in the State Legislature in the Republican Party. Good to see you, Assemblywoman. It's wonderful to see you. Thank you for having me today. You got it. I believe this is the first time you've joined us. I usually don't get that wrong. Is it the first time? It certainly is. And my first and television interview. No, it's not. Is that true? It is. It's totally true. I'm honored. I am honored <laughs> to have you. You've argued that the tax credit, the child care tax credit, first of all, explain what that is. Second of all, you've argued that it's not enough, that Governor Murphy signed a law in 2000, excuse me, in 2022 that made a refundable tax credit to families up to $500 a year with each family uh, with a child under six. You say that's not enough. You're arguing for more child care tax dollars, correct? I indeed am. Yes, I am. Uh, I, I think it's because, uh, you know, I know we, we hear it all the time, budgets uh, reflect our priorities. And I think the family is really the central institution to our country, to our society. And, we, and families are struggling and we need to help them. We need to provide relief, particularly here in New Jersey, uh, which is one of the most expensive states to live in. And you're, to be specific, your proposal, if I'm wrong, you'll correct me, you're arguing that the size of the maximum benefit, benefit for child credit, the tax credit for, for a child is $1,000 for parents with kids under the age of, you say 12 instead of six? Yes, I, it was very important to me to increase the age. Uh, you know, all of us who are parents, we know as kids get bigger, so do your expenses. Uh, and I, and it would obviously help more families. And really, with with that additional funding, 
um, it would help stimulate the economy. You know, as a Republican who is arguing that state government should, quote, spend more money in this area, I'm curious, given the fact that a fair number of your colleagues on the state and national level talk about government spends too much, we need to cut back, reduce the budget, what kind of reaction have you gotten from your Republican colleagues in the state legislature? Uh, well, I, I feel like I haven't gotten the, as much pushback as I thought I would. Um, you know, uh, I pride myself on my independence uh, here in New Jersey in the legislature and, and within my party. And um, look, the reality is families are really struggling in New Jersey. Uh, you know, when you can make $80,000 a year and be considered low income, um, you know, that's something to take pause at. So, so I agree with them. I agree with my members. But here is where, if we are going to, where we're going to spend, this is where we should be spending it. Could you describe the district you represent? Where is it? Sure. I represent primarily Morris County. Uh, I think we've got pushed down from sixth to eighth most affluent county in the nation. Uh, so some may even say, um, how's that working, right? What, what, oh, you're, you're okay in Morris County. Um, and I say in many ways, poverty is more hidden in a place like Mar Morris County. How so? I, I grew up, I grew up poor, uh, <laughs> simple as that. I remember watching my mom uh, ripping apart a piece of Wonder Bread, adding it to some tuna fish salad. And I asked her, well, I thought maybe it was like a special recipe or something. And I said, why are you doing that? And she said, because it makes two sandwiches into four. Um, and we lived in an unwinterized home. Uh, every fall, she'd roll up the towels and, and stuff every every door jam and window jam uh, to keep us as warm as, as possible. Of course, that meant no air conditioning in the summer, right? Uh, so so poverty may look a little bit different today, um, but but that that's that's carries with me, right? That's my blueprint. And um, if it were not for uh, a lot of social services that helped me get to where I am today, for those who argue that government is the enemy. Um, you don't see it that way. I don't. Government has a, a very necessary function. For the most part, it should get out of people's way and our lives. Um, and <laughs> um, but help us. It's it's really it's about uh, you know that I, I know we hear it all the time, but it's about a hand up, not a handout. Hmm. Let me ask you this about childcare. Uh, people who watch us on a regular basis know that. We have an initiative called Reimagine Child Care. The graphic will go up. It talks about, uh, well, we're talking to legislators, policymakers, government officials, not-for-profit leaders, those who run child care centers, all about the importance of accessible, affordable child care. Where does that fit into your legislative agenda? Oh, um, it's really central to my legislative agenda. Uh, it, last year, I uh, worked on legislation that would call for uh, the, the child care subsidy program. It would basically reformulate it to base it on enrollment as opposed to attendance. Uh, we were successful in getting that accomplished, but only on a temporary basis uh, in response to the public health emergency. And I am fighting for that to be permanent um, because that really, um, look, at the end of the day, we know who, who um, who really owns and operates these child care centers are women. This is a female-dominated right. field. 
and we saw uh, workforce participation by women go down to levels of the 1980s during COVID. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was asking for, for more um, and my, my Democratic colleagues um, kind of backed down a little bit um, but still, I, you know, we, we came together. And um, so, again, it was another uh, little bit against the grain for a Republican. I've asked every Republican who's joined us because it's so important. And Democrats have a whole range of issues they need to answer for. Do you believe, because civil discourse is obviously what we're about, and you obviously believe in that as well, or you wouldn't be with us. To what degree do you believe that moving forward, that Politics has become very divisive and polarized, A, and B, that frankly, the former, some have argued the former president, Donald Trump, has contributed mightily to that. You say what? Um, he's not the only one. No, he's not. <laughs> and and um, what I would say is, you know, I've, I've been at this a long time uh, from behind the scenes as a Capitol Hill staffer in my 20s. And Steve, I don't know if you know, but I also represented Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers' neighborhood on Capitol Hill. It's just interesting how life works that this is my very first television interview as a legislator by PBS. So I'm, if you're honored, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm way, I beat you in that. I'm honored way more than you. <laughs> we appreciate so, that. And so, but, but civil discourse is what public broadcasting is about. And we are not PBS, but we're on public broadcasting. We're partners with them. We're all about civil discourse. Is that corny or what? I mean, isn't that the way it's supposed to be at some moment? It, I, it is. And you know, it's funny that you say is that corny because believe when I first ran for office, that was one of my one of my four bullet points on my on my 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 what they call it the palm card. And you know sure. how many folks at the door said, "Ah, come on, give me a break," you know. Um, and I I stand firm on it, and I think it's it's really always about leading by example. As we wrap, I'm going to say this to you. Um, the idea that arguing for civil discourse and being response, respecting other points of view without demonizing others, the fact that that's controversial is odd to me. But Assemblywoman, I thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to having you on in the future. All the best. I look forward to it. Thank you. You got it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Valley's all about making life easier for clients. And that's why we're all about smiles, too. So every day, we make it possible for home buyers to become homeowners, for folks chasing their dreams to become entrepreneurs, for parents to plan today for their children's tomorrow, and for communities to get better every day. You see, when we know we've put a smile on a customer's face, well, that puts one on ours, too. Here at Kane University, everyone gets their chance to climb higher. Michael came to Kane and found his passion for healthcare, and now he's a doctor. After Trisha graduated, her graphic design work was featured in the New York Times. Samantha is studying athletic training and finding her path through an internship with the New York Giants. Real students, real stories, real success. Cougars climb higher. Kane University. We're now joined by Yuri Borechka, who is president and CEO of Hope for Ukraine. Um, first of all, Yuri, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. The media's attention span largely is like a gnat and the public comparable. Even though we're not as focused or not focused much at all, the reality exists in Ukraine in this war. 
Please describe it to us, and in addition to that, your personal experience. So, you know, I was thinking about this. So i just give you some numbers. Sure. So by latest estimates, the 8 million refugees that left the country, Ukrainian refugees affected by this war, and internally we have 6 million people who are internally displaced inside of the country. So when you put everything together, that's 14 million people that's affected by this crisis. So this is more than state of New Jersey. Can you imagine you wake up one day and the entire state of New Jersey just disappeared from the map and their lives is destroyed? So that's the reality on the ground. And I totally understand that as the media cycle goes, goes on, you know, people get tired of hearing about Ukraine and getting tired of hearing about what's going on there because that's just human nature. But the, the life and the reality on the ground is worse than ever because right now, the people who've been affected by this war look back and they understand they will never go back to their homes. They will never go back to their jobs. They will never be able to go back to the life they, they used to live before February 24, 2022. So we are in the process of dealing with a lot of emotional trauma, a lot of uh, situations where people need to start from zero, ground zero, and trying to rebuild their life. And for me personally, it's very close to home because my father still in Ukraine, uh, three of my sisters still there. So these 14 months has been uh, very personal for me because I have to wake up every day thinking, are they still alive? So that's what's going on on the ground. Yuri, um, first of all, your dad's 85 years of age? Yes, yes. How do you communicate with him? He has a wiper, <laughs> so I got him a smartphone. <laughs> so that's great. My sister taught uh, taught him that how to use it, so I call him um, when they have a light and when they have internet connection. Yeah. Describe for folks as we put the website up what hope for Ukraine is the services you're providing. So, with humanitarian aid organization, our primary and main uh, project is feeding people in Ukraine. So since the war started, we have uh, delivered over 70 million meals to people in Ukraine. So every day we have a network of over 100 volunteers that come to our warehouses in Lviv, Ukraine, which is right on the Polish border. They load up the vans with food that we have purchased through donations that people have given to Hope for Ukraine. And we put together the grocery kits and it's taken to all different parts of Ukraine to the frontline towns. And this type of kit can feed a family of four for about a week or so. So if someone contributes, those dollars are going directly to help a family in Ukraine? Yes, yeah, so 90% 90, 90 of every dollar that is donated go directly to the cause. So we making sure that we, all the aid gets to the end, uh, end recipient, and we have uh, checks and balances in place to make sure that people are helped because a need is so dire that we get every day hundreds of emails and messages from people on the ground asking for help. Describe President Zelensky. I'm a student of leadership. People are, I'm sure, are tired of hearing me say that. 
I try to study leadership from a variety of perspectives, and I've been fascinated by President Zelensky's leadership. Talk about it. I mean, his biggest accomplishment is his communication ability with the people in Ukraine. So every day he's been going on the air communicating to Ukrainians, first of all. Because when you're going through the difficult times like this, the, the most important part is to have a glimmer of hope. So right now in Ukraine, even when Zelensky came here to the United States, he still, he still communicates because if the people don't hear from him one day, you know, they start to lose hope. And I think in time of crisis, that's where he came in and showing a serious leadership and to constantly communicating with the public, constantly communicating, letting people know each, each and every day what's going on on the ground. Can I ask you, I'm curious about this. There are some in the United States, some in New Jersey and across this country who, I, I don't think I'm misinterpreting this, but somehow explain away or lionize or think of uh, President Putin in Russia as a strong man leader. You say what about Putin? I mean, he's covered. The guy doesn't leave his bunker. You know, all the media, you know, the the Russian propaganda media, every time they show him, you know, do some kind of visits outside of his little shell that he lives in, it's usually he his doubles, <laughs> you know. So it's it's a big, big uh, Hollywood production that they put together to show him that he goes somewhere, you know, visit soldiers and stuff like that. You know, if you look at Zelensky, you know, the guy went to some of the most dangerous parts of the front, I mean, to go to Bakhmut. I mean, Bakhmut is the most dangerous part of the world at the present time. And he was not afraid. Uh, he went recently to Avdivka. That's another place that's constantly uh, being attacked. So, I mean, he's definitely have a lot of guts, you know, to say that at least. Before I let you go, uh, Yuri, for people in New Jersey, and again, the region across the country say, you know what? Ukraine is terrible what's going on there. Not our thing. It's not our country. We have too many things to worry about right here. And, and you know what? Let them, figure, let them figure it out with Russia. You say what to them right now? I'm saying, you know, listen, if Ukraine falls, the next is going to be Poland. The next is going to be Germany. So, you know, at this, you know, like once in a century, there is a <laughs> there is this choice that stands behind us. Are you going to be on the right side of the history? And what's Ukraine, Ukraine doing now is they're fighting for the freedom. They're fighting for their own freedom. We have no choice. Because if we don't fight, there's going to be no Ukraine tomorrow. And if Ukraine falls, the rest of the Europe and the rest of the free world will fall. And then what we're going to be faced with? We're going to be faced with dictatorship that kills you know, children, that steals our children, that rapes women, that wakes up one day and decides, okay, you know what? I'm going to occupy because I have a big army. So it, it, we are at a crossroads of the history right now. And for everyone will, you know, look back, say, hey, you know what? I was at the right, on the right side of the history. That's why it's a very important fight. It's not only a Ukrainian fight. I think it's a fight for entire free world. And um, that's what we're at right now, you know. Yuri, first, thank you for joining us. Um, second, um, to your family, we, we, we hope and pray 
that they're safe and to the people of Ukraine. I promise that, at least on our end, as a state regional-based broadcast, we'll continue to, to have meaningful programming that, uh, because there's such a large Ukrainian population in this state, in this region. And as Yuri said, it's not my job to editorialize, but um, this is not an isolated situation. Yuri, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm Steve Adubato. See you next time. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by the Terrell Fund, supporting Reimagine Child Care, Kane University, New Brunswick Development Corporation, RWJ Barnabas Health, Let's Be Healthy Together, Operating Engineers, Local 825, IBEW Local 102, NJM Insurance Group, PSENG, Newark Board of Education, and by these public-spirited organizations, individuals, and associations committed to informing New Jersey citizens about the important issues facing the Garden State. And by Employers Association of New Jersey. Promotional support provided by Insider NJ. And by the New Jersey Business and Industry Association. Valley's all about making life easier for clients. And that's why we're all about smiles, too. So every day, we make it possible for home buyers to become homeowners, for folks chasing their dreams to become entrepreneurs, for parents to plan today for their children's tomorrow, and for communities to get better every day. You see, when we know we've put a smile on a customer's face, well, that puts one on ours, too. Here at Kane University, everyone gets their chance to climb higher. Michael came to Kane and found his passion for healthcare, and now he's a doctor. After Trisha graduated, her graphic design work was featured in the New York Times. Samantha is studying athletic training and finding her path through an internship with the New York Giants. Real students, real stories, real success. Cougars climb higher. Kane University.